Hello there. Welcome to the IWS Podcast. I'm your host, RJ, and I have a lovely guest with me this lovely evening, Ms. Katia Gautier. How are you doing today, Katia? Hi, RJ. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you making the time. For our guests that don't know, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I actually have a professional school counselor with me. We're going to have a very interesting discussion talking about all things mental health, a little bit about her background, some issues and challenges we face in dating and romantic relationships. And I hope that we're going to have a very rousing discussion. You ready to jump in? Yes. Thanks for having me. All right. So for our guests and for me, can you start by giving us a little bit of background about how you grew up and what was the relationship like with the members in your family? Sure. So I grew up, um, I was born in Haiti, so I'm a Haitian American. Okay. Um, came here when I was very young. Um, didn't speak any English. Okay. Um, the interesting thing is my name is Katia. You know me as Katia, but right. when I was little, I would go by my middle name, which is <laughs> Fabienne. So Fabienne, okay. that's how my family, you know, that's what they call you. That's what they would call me. Okay. So when I first came to the States, they were calling me Katia. My teacher <laughs> was calling for me Katia and I'm looking at her. She's looking at me and she's like Katia, Katia. And yeah. I'm like, that's how I learned my first name, which is Katia. Gotcha. So I never knew this entire time. Wow. Yeah. So growing up, that's one difference, I guess I would say in terms of the culture. Yeah. So growing up here, you know, it was difficult at first. I would say like, I learned how to speak English through um, Esau. Like I did all of that. Mm. Wait, like um, wait, through like your entire like school? Elementary years. Okay. Elementary years. I started off, I was taking English classes. Um, I was taking Creole classes and go. I'm like, why am I here? I already know what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I already know what they're saying. Um, but it was, it was a great experience. I was, I grew up in South Florida, so okay. Miami. Um, which there's a pretty good population down there. Yes, there is. For those that don't know. Yeah. So it's, um, I loved growing up, you know, in South Florida, I felt at home every other corner. It was like, you know, another restaurant, um, the Caribbean life over there you know of course i love that it's like a big melting pot yeah um so growing up there um that was my younger years yeah. um at home i have three brothers so i was the only girl Ooh. um yeah i'm you sure know, that has its own challenges that has you you have the right response a lot of people <laughs> are like oh well you must have been spoiled i was like no i really wasn't yeah i mean <laughs> I, I know that that's a different experience. Like I have one older sister, and how mm -hmm. hard it was just for us to get along. Let alone if there was three versus one. Yeah, yeah. It'd be challenging. But if I knew what I what I know now, I probably would have been spoiled. I would have been like, "Come on, I'm your only sister." <laughs> like make different requests. Yeah. Um, but it was it was okay. I like growing up with my brothers. Um, what? Where are you in the order? I'm third. Okay. Oh, so you're from the bottom. Yeah, third. Um, yeah. Okay. Actually, no, I have one younger brother, so. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, but um, it was good growing up with them. Um, I grew up in a traditional home, so, you know, we were raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, my mom, my dad, they're still together. Um, How long have they been together? Like 40-something years, 45. Ooh, wow. It's, it's been a while. That's rare, yeah. some of these days now. Yeah, and they're still together. Um, they live not too far from me. Um, and growing up, I had a couple of cousins in the area in South Florida as well. Yeah. Um, but I spent pretty much my entire childhood there. I went to middle school there, high school there, 
and college as well. Mm -hmm. So South Florida, I went to Florida International. Um, Down in Miami. Yes, and that's where I got my bachelor's in sociology anthropology. Okay. Um, so initially, I wanted to be a professor <laughs> of sociology. <laughs> to go teach people? Yeah, and, and then my professor was like, you know, the, the majority of my money comes from writing books and back then i didn't like to write i was like oh no compared to now i love it but oh okay yeah it kind of like threw me off and i didn't want to continue pursuing that degree yeah um but growing up in south florida i really enjoyed it um it was a great experience for me i'm curious because you did have that traditional upbringing i think that that's good because a lot of what i usually talk about is how a lot of us are coming from single parent households you know or, or co-parenting type relationships and situations. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, when, because you had both of them there in the house and you had those older brothers, how did you guys kind of navigate the relationships between your parents? Because obviously there's, what, four of you? Mm -hmm. So how did that go in terms of splitting time between mom and dad and then each of you? It was pretty much, um, when we were in Haiti, my mom was working, like she had a really good job mm -hmm. over there. Um, and our grandparents lived like right there next to us, not too far away, we could walk. Okay. And you know, my aunts and uncles, everybody lived nearby. Mm. Um, when we came here, there was a shift. So my dad came here first and um, to America and yeah. started working. Then my mom came over as well, along with us. Okay. Um, since she came here, she had a job. Like she's, you know, she worked with DCF in the past. Okay. Um, but I would say the, the breadwinner would be my dad. Um, back then and um, it was more like you know mom she took care of the house she mm -hmm. made sure you know we ate we had everything set like the house looked beautiful and everything yeah. kept things in order and you know her words as well she, mm -hmm. she provided us some words of wisdom and um, my dad did as well but he did a lot of working he okay. was um, usually working a lot of times okay he's so, still working oh, even to this day <laughs> yes how was it where okay so I'm, I can imagine, so you being the only girl there, like, do you feel like you had a, any particular closer relationship with your mom? Like, did she go through and kind of give you a lot of that womanly wisdom that probably dad can't necessarily offer to you? Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like, I, not really. No? My mom now, I feel like she gives me more, like, information and she's yeah. open with me and okay. she talks to me about stuff. Um, we didn't really talk about like a lot of things like life that you know maybe it's because i didn't ask questions either i was quiet you know it she could wasn't be saying much um okay i mean it happens the reason why i ask is because and i don't know like for those out here that are listening but in my experience like a lot of parents don't necessarily make the space for mm -hmm. kids to talk about it so then there's like all these mistakes that we end up making that we probably didn't have to go through but mm -hmm. nobody ever tells us about them yeah. So when you made that point, I was thinking in my mind, okay, there's four of you, so there's like, there's gonna obviously be time constraints, mm -hmm. right? How much you can actively invest in each child. Not because mm -hmm. you don't want to, but just because there's four of you and two of them. Mm -hmm. But the fact that your mom was there, I'm thinking, okay, maybe because you're the only daughter, maybe there's discussions around courtship, around mm -hmm. dating, about you know how you grow how you evolve mm -hmm. as a woman compared to your your brothers mm -hmm. so you're saying like you guys didn't really talk about any no. of that it's an interesting thing um i would say i wish we did mm. being where i am now yeah. um and now she speaks to me about it and i couldn't go to her about things that i'm experiencing and for yeah. advice we do it now but back then 
I guess the the what I would want her to speak to me about yeah. was okay, hey, you're in college now. You know, maybe you should start looking around. Maybe you should, <laughs> you know, hey, you're getting a degree. It's almost you're almost done. Why don't you start kind of like, you know, keep an eye out for someone who may be a potential spouse. Mm-hmm. That would have been so great. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, but we didn't really like talk about that, you know. And Man. I would say I, I have to say I was very reserved as well. Um okay. and it goes back to how I was brought up. Like yeah. a lot of things like I wasn't able to do, you know, or I didn't feel comfortable doing because I knew they would be, you know, more like, hey, where are you going? Like, for example, sleepovers. Oh, yeah. I can <laughs> I didn't imagine. I go to any sleepovers. I can like, imagine. Listen, sleepovers for what? <laughs> you have a bed and you have a house here. Exactly. Where are you going somewhere else? Yeah. So, so certain things I didn't get to fully experience. So yeah. I didn't put myself out there like that. And I think like, they really wanted us to focus on education. Hey, make sure you go, you get your education. Mm-hmm. And I feel like back then, like in the 90s, that was, I that would be like something to definitely take us to the next level, yeah. especially with us being not even first generation, my kids would be first generation, but um, you know, just coming in. Yeah. So a lot of times it's like you, they push on education. So um, my focus was like, hey, make sure you're a good person, you're a good student, mm-hmm. you know, keep yourself keep yourself like don't go doing anything with you know these boys out there no risky stuff no risky stuff yeah so it was a lot of that growing yeah. up and you know like so i feel like in a way it kind of like stopped me from opening up completely mm. you know i wasn't like hey i got a crush on damien today like <laughs> i there was none of that none yeah. of that and i couldn't do it with my brothers you know so it was like kind of just holding everything in. Yeah, okay. I feel like there's a good point to be made there because for those of us that come from like different cultural backgrounds, it's a very different experience I feel like we have. There's different expectations that get put on you that like Mm -hmm. when you're born here, you have a completely different sort of expectation of like how you can carry yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, full disclosure, uh, I'm first generation on like half side of my family. The other half, they were born here. Mm -hmm. So, I somewhat can understand, not fully, your mm-hmm. your lived experience, but from my understanding, it's that when you come from other countries, there's usually inherently more pressure mm-hmm. to perform right. because you know, like you left home and whatever you might have been dealing with there, right. to try to obviously create a better life, maybe better legacy for the family, and so on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the same for you, but that's it was. been that's been my experience when you talk to most people who families don't originate in America. Mm-hmm. You but, have a lot of opportunities that, right. you know, wasn't presented to you back then. So absolutely, it's like, make the most of it. Absolutely. But then when you have your next generation, the kids that grow up here, there some people call it entitlement. But I think there is a, there is a certain entitlement to freedom, of, mm-hmm. to express yourself, to explore mm-hmm. what you're into that maybe your parents didn't necessarily have. Because mm-hmm. they felt like kind of the old adage of put your head down and just kind of get to work, right? Mm-hmm. We need to provide a foundation and the stability so that future generations can be better off. They, they can have that type of flexibility. Yes. Do you think that that was somewhat similar for you? Yes, and I think, I'll be honest, it was some of me being reserved, not mm. sharing things, not feeling comfortable to share things with them. Sure. Um, would they have received it well? Mm. I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we never <laughs> but, know, right? You know, They're like, old school, we never know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure, but I didn't put myself out there. I didn't, I did not, you know, just volunteer 
information about how my life is going or and which is listen and i, I want to make a point because i think that's very important and i and that point i can totally empathize with you so mm -hmm. for those that may not remember so i grew up predominantly with my father and as many men have attested to we don't come from experiences where it's like comfortable to share how you feel and so naturally my dad taught me to kind of just like keep everything in and kind of mm -hmm. suppress it right mm -hmm. But again, there's like, to your point, there's so much wisdom that can be extracted from those lived experiences that they have. Right. But to your point, if we don't create those environments to actually share that information with each other, mm -hmm. then it essentially gets lost, right? Because right. mom and dad could have gone through stuff, but we will never know, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. they might be guarded and then that inherently might make us guarded or we're more reserved and conservative so then we don't end up opening up about these things. Right. What's the net effect? I might go through some hardship that I probably didn't have to. Might get my heart broken more times than I probably had to. Mm -hmm. Might end up making some silly mistakes that I probably didn't have to. Right. So my whole point is, and I'm also a father, and so I think a lot about the stories that you don't share, the experiences that you don't bring up, mm -hmm. the kids, the next generation is like, they don't get the benefit of any of that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like, when we present those stories and those information, you're gonna help them avoid everything because that would be foolish, right? Mm -hmm. Kids are still gonna make mistakes. Everybody, adults, we're still gonna make mistakes. But it maybe doesn't have to be as much mm -hmm. as it does. Right. What would you think in response to that? What would you say? I would agree. Like some of the things that I bring up to them now as an adult, um, they've helped me out with. So I could only imagine like if I was to present them with some issues that I had back then, mm. I could have avoided, like you said, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of disappointments, mm, right? That's, that's a big one right there. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and you know, they have the, they have and they're willing to share. Um, it's just a matter of, am I being vulnerable enough to share this stuff with them and to ask these questions? Yeah. And, and now I'm grateful for the relationship that we do have because I, speak to them about things and I'm more open now than I was back then. That's good. Yeah, so. I'm curious on that thought though. When did that change? Like when did you, cause you said there was a point. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like we weren't talking about nothing and then all of a sudden we're talking about things. So when did that happen for you in your life? I think it was more of like when I kept getting, experiencing like different hardships mm -hmm. and through trusting them with it and I became more comfortable Okay. because of how they received it. Okay. I didn't feel like they would like judge me or, you know, things like that. Okay. So it was more of, hey, like, I can feel comfortable enough to go up to them with that. I know that, you know, they'll handle it well. Mm -hmm. Like they're not gonna blow up on me or right. I'm not gonna like, I I won't disappoint them with what I shared. Okay. Um, kind of testing the like so. You're saying so you maybe you you kind of gone through some experiences and then based on how they responded maybe you you sort of tested the waters mm -hmm. and, and then, shared more right so they, they responded favorably and then over time you allowed mm -hmm. them in gradually more more yes and then vice versa they were also mirroring that with you yes i would say so yes mm -hmm. okay so if i'm understanding that correctly i think that that's beautiful that that happens right because obviously we want to get to a point where that's the case for all of us but what's interesting is you said so it took me getting to a certain point and going through certain things though for us then to have this kind of come to Jesus moment where yeah. we actually want to talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would have been possible? I know we can't for fortune tell and look back to the future, but do you think it would have been possible had y'all maybe had that more open type of relationship where y'all were sharing more? That maybe whatever hardships you did go through, not mm -hmm. all of them, 
Do you think maybe some of them maybe could have been alleviated? It was more possibly, yes. But back then I wasn't, we weren't ready to, okay. to be open with one another. Okay. Because I was afraid of how they would see me, you know, or how they would react. Um, like depending on what you came to tell them about? Yes. Like, okay. for example, the day I was an adult, you know, and I got my lip pierced. Oh. And my, you know, my dad was so mad. He almost disowned <laughs> me. I'm like, I'm an, <laughs> I'm an adult, you know, like, and I actually really like my lip, my, you know, lip piercing, but he didn't take that well. Mm. Right. So, um, my belly pierced, same thing. So, so the was, way that so he, he was, reacted. He was more conservative about yeah. those things. So he didn't like Oh, it. for sure. Okay. Like, you know, tattoos wasn't a big thing. That's always a big one for yeah. us. Yeah. But, you know, all my brothers got tattoos, so. <laughs> no, but, and, and and to be fair, that's definitely, um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's definitely an unfair double standard that happens. Mm -hmm. Where, especially, again, I've seen more on immigrant sides where it's like, especially if they're any type of devoutly religious. Yeah. Is, yeah, you, it's like any type of tattoo is like you're, you're desecrating your body, so mm -hmm. you shouldn't do those things. Um but yeah, I think there is an unfair double standard when it comes to men and women, because some mm -hmm. of those things, like the son can kind of get away with, daughters are like, you're supposed to be maybe a little more pure, mm -hmm. so they don't want to see you portraying yourself that way. Yeah, yeah, so that was a big deal for me. Like when I got that, the, when I finally, like when they saw my piercings, mm -hmm. and they were like, well, what are you doing? And like, you know, basically <laughs> kicked me out the house, and I was like, you know. How, how long ago was that? That was probably like freshman or sophomore year, Freshman year of college, okay. I would say. Okay. Yeah. So beginning of like kind of coming into your own, starting to figure out like who am I? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, think um, that, I mean, that's fair. And it's, it's interesting when you, you say that because sometimes when I'm trying to break up these points and we're kind of exploring how our culture defines the way we see the world, right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking about is how the way you grew up, the country of origin your family is from, and the religious aspect when you put those together. And mm -hmm. then also layering that by being here in the States and maybe an extra layer of pressure of like to be a, that good quote unquote like immigrant mm -hmm. person, student, family. It seems like a lot of that might have added like an additional cultural pressure that yeah. maybe not some people can relate to and maybe others don't. Would you mm -hmm. say that there could be some truth to that? Absolutely, yes. Um, and even with, like you said, with the boys, right? they were a lot more lenient with them, I felt like. Mm. Sometimes they want to go out, they're like, all right. And me, I'm like, where are you going? I'm like, <laughs> I'm going, you know, not with him, but I'm going somewhere else. I'm going, I'm going out too. Mm -hmm. What? No, where are you going? And then they wonder, you know, certain parents, sometimes they may wonder, okay, well, where's later on when you're an adult? Well, where's your boyfriend? Where's your, it's like, you didn't let me go out. <laughs> like, where am I supposed to come up with this You didn't person? give me an opportunity to go meet right. three persons. Yeah, so okay. Okay. it was interesting. That is, so is it safe to say then that the your brothers were allowed to kind of go out, do more or less what they wanted to do? And you're saying you had a much more restricted environment where if you did want to explore like things like dating, you weren't really allowed to? Yeah, they were, everybody, we were restricted. Some of us, like... You know, my older, my eldest brother was, he just did his own thing. Mm. Um, eventually, I felt like they were, the repercussion was like less for them. Yeah. It's like for me, or maybe I took it that way, right? Maybe I perceived it that way, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, they see me a certain way now, or, you know, I'm not their little girl anymore, or look at how they're, you know, they're that 
upset with me. They're yeah. not disappointed with me. It may just be the way I was looking at it, right? Okay. Um, but I did feel back then like my brothers had a lot, you know, had it easier kind mm. of thing. When it came to going out, you know, stuff like that. So they gave them a little more leeway. You were kind of like shorter mm -hmm. chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll circle back to that because I think that that's important because that's certainly, I can imagine, play a huge impact, like you said, on if, how you're going to try to be able to find somebody if you kind of, if you're growing up in a space where you're not really given the freedom to explore that maybe someone in your earlier years, mm -hmm. it's naturally going to get harder, right? The older we get, the more that we don't do something, it doesn't typically get easier the more we avoid it or are not afforded the opportunity to do it, right? Right. So I think that, that, that that's a perfect example of, or at least how I would say it, that openness to me about when we have children and mm -hmm. we want to be able to give those experiences is because if you don't want them to make the same pitfalls, mm -hmm. so obviously you're not my daughter, but let's just say I had a daughter for an example and her mom had had a few boyfriends before me. I think that it helps not only by the father and the mother helping to instill good values mm -hmm. of what you should expect from like a young man, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to have that open dialogue of like, this is what I'm experiencing. This is how this person's approaching me. This is what I'm dealing with. Like, how should I interpret that? Right, yeah. You know, like, cause then you start talking, and I'm, I'm trying not to go off on a tangent, but you start thinking about like your value. Mm -hmm. What do you expect? How do you determine your respect? How do you determine your moral compass, if you will? Mm -hmm. So I know how that man should approach me and approach my family if he wants, if, he wants to be taken seriously maybe by my family. Right. You know what I mean? All these like nuanced discussions, I, I noticed that in many cases, like they don't really get discussed. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like implicit, like you're supposed to kind of know. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, that's why sometimes like people tend to stay in their own little cultural community because then mm -hmm. you don't have to maybe explain as much. Yeah, I would say the one thing though is that, you know, my parents, family, extended family, they always, you know, told me to respect myself, mm. make sure other people respect me. Yeah. Um, so they did emphasize on that, you know, and I guess that's with our actions as well. Right. So how someone would approach you goes back to the respect. How do you carry yourself? Back to the respect. Mm -hmm. So if we do something off, they would call it out. Okay. But not necessarily have that dialect, like you said. So kind of like just giving you the initial like hey maybe that's not okay or that's not appropriate but then maybe you're not getting as much of the the details mm -hmm. of like why it's not okay why was it not appropriate why did the way this guy approached me not be the way you would prefer to happen mm -hmm. and what would be better what Correct. would be an example of Correct. Being better yeah and the, yeah, okay and yeah that's those are the things i'm like always so genuinely curious about like mm -hmm. and maybe i'm maybe i'm losing my mind but in my mind like i'm a man right i would think if I had a daughter, I would want to tell her these things about how how courtship and dating might be with a young man and mm -hmm. what I think she deserves and what I think she should expect. Mm -hmm. Not only because of how I would treat her, but we would need to have some level of dialogue, no? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, her mom can talk about it, sure, but her mom can talk about it from the woman's perspective. I would also want to give the guy's perspective so she can kind of understand, well, my dad said, like, a man should come at me this way mm -hmm. and if he's not then i kind of know he probably not take him seriously like let's let's keep it moving right and then vice versa if it's your son right mm -hmm. maybe you want the mom to be like well this is how i would treat you i'm not saying she's going to be me but these are some elements mm -hmm. that she should have these are some intrinsic values right. that she should hold mm -hmm. to know that she's good for you does that make yes. sense yes and this happens now 
So I, as I said, we're open about it now, my mom, my dad, but yeah. my brothers too. So we have these dialects, mm. you know, hey, well, he did this, so I don't know, like, what's going on with that? Like, <laughs> what kind of, you know, man does that? Um, yeah. See where that, we'll see where that goes. And so we're having these dialects more often now. No, that's good. I mean, I think to me, like, that's the whole purpose of why I would want us, and I'm trying to encourage us in having these discussions to have more of an open forum mm-hmm. where we're not just holding all this information in or making the other members of the family perhaps, like, feel uncomfortable like they're not supposed to talk about it. Because mm-hmm. so then, then a lot of times, like, and again, we're going to get into this on the therapy side, you kind of ask yourself, like, well, then where do I go? Like, where am I supposed to get this information from? And then you got young people now that's why they're going to social media. Yeah, YouTube. Because they don't know where else they're <laughs> supposed to get it. Like, if I can't talk to the people that took me into this world, that brought me here, mm-hmm. then who else am I supposed to feel comfortable enough to share it with? Yeah. So then you're seeking that, maybe you're seeking that validation on TikTok and Instagram and yeah, Facebook. And, all and, and all, Yeah, you're just trying to be like, man, let me get it wherever I can. Or, or maybe you're not getting quality information and that might really skew your perception Mm -hmm. that might have some really disastrous impacts for the long term this is true you know so we'll 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 come back into that i want to i want to move the conversation forward a little bit and talk a little bit about your experience and what you do so again for the audience that doesn't remember she's a professional school counselor and so i wanted to give her an opportunity to talk a little bit about her experiences and how you got there why did you even end up picking that field in general? Yes. So um, I started off um, because of my high school counselor. Okay. So Miss Martinez. And she was such a nice person, just lovable and likable as well. Yeah. Um, with all the students and smiling. And she would ask us about our lives. Back then it was more of, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And <laughs> you get to talk about, you know, your... Um, career and your goals and ambitions and all of that Mm -hmm. it i feel like it was more it was less of micromanagement going on at the high school level yeah so i really like that and i wanted to know and i want to help out other students like figure out what they want to do with their lives and like talk about careers and i love careers um i researched for fun and i was like (laughs) hey like this is perfect like you know i'm always on bls like dot gov and i'm like hey i would do great here so that was my goal for a while okay um when i got to college i kind of like was like hey i really love sociology anthropology what you talked about yeah so let me be a professor and then um i went back to the counseling because i just love encouraging people Mm -hmm. inspiring people so i do that on a regular and i was like this is the place this is the best career that i can get into where I can bring about hope, mm-hmm. talk to them about their futures, let them know of different options that are available, but without necessarily telling them, hey, this is the path and this is what you have to do. Correct. Yeah, everybody has to go to college and that's it. No, um, not true. So based on who they are, yeah, so based on who they are, I you know, gave them the different options and I guess the biggest thing would be to inspire hope in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what made me love the career so much okay um i started off at a middle school and um which was interesting it was difficult Um, (laughs) i can imagine that that age group yeah they're all their emotions are everywhere right puberty yeah so 
the start, right? And they're like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. What do I do? <laughs> My life is over. Yeah. Um, so I started off with that. With what I did enjoy was the peer counseling aspect. So it was more like a small group kind of thing. Okay. Um, which I helped them with resolving like conflicts, how to the keys to conflict and how do you express yourself, I statements and. Mm. So those, I, those are one-on-one statements for those that aren't catching that. That's that's counseling one-on-one she's putting out there. Yeah, so I did enjoy that. Um, and there were scheduling. Like, I had to do scheduling as well at the middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, the person that initially was... We only had two counselors at the middle school where I started. Oh, and wow. she was an older woman. She was there about to retire. Actually, she retired and came back like twice. Wow. Um, yeah. So she, so, she, she has some history. Yeah. She was a <laughs> lively person. Like I loved working with her and yeah. we're still friends now. Um, so she showed me a lot, you know, about the, how to be a counselor, how to be a middle school counselor and about enjoying where you are actually. So Very in general, important. yeah. So I, I love her and appreciate her for bringing me in. You know, sometimes we forget who helps us, like, to, to oh, be yeah. where we are. So that's where I started, and that's who helped me get there. Um, her name is Gretchen. So she's a sweet woman. Um, when I was done with the middle school, I went over to a high school, which is, um, it was interesting. Because I, I started off at a Title I, then I went over to the high school, and, you know, some of the students were driving nicer cars than I was. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a shift. Um, but I did enjoy the high school level because I got to do a lot of what I wanted to do in terms mm. of, hey, where are you now? Where do you want to be? Oh, Let's yeah. work on that. Kind you of know, forecasting for the future? Yes. Yeah, coming up with goals, you know, attainable goals that you can get started mm. and how you're going to end up where you are. Oh, you want to be that? Do you know how much they make? I was big on that. BLS.gov. <laughs> that was my opportunity to use Bureau it. of Labor and Statistics. That's what BLS is. That's where you yeah. get all the data for how much you can make depending on the occupation. Oh, boy. For. I loved it. I love talking to them about that stuff. Mm. Um, and so we looked at statistics and everything. And, okay, this is where you want to be. But, you know, how's your math score? Like, how are your math scores? How, what's your grade Facts. in science? Facts. Right? Um, so based on what you like, what do you want to do? with these grades, right? Um, so we spoke about college as well. I enjoyed the high school. I was there for seven years. Okay. Um, so a you, long so time. You, you must have learned a lot being there. I definitely did. Um, it could be, it, it was stressful some um, because it's very intricate. You have to learn the, the transcript. Um, mm. For those of you who don't know, at the high school level, um, they have to have 24 credits to graduate, depending on where you are, um, which part of um, the state you are. Um, of course, there's the, the exams. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the FSA. I think it's the FAST now. But um, So, yeah, they have to pass their reading and their math. So it was a lot of pressure. The point I'm trying to make is it was a lot of pressure mm-hmm. um, to make sure that every single student that you had was able to graduate and reach their goal, their ultimate goal. Right? Very important. And there's stress from the parents. Hey, my students, they're going to Ivy League school. Yes, but can they please pass reading? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> like, you know, like, let's start there. Yeah. So making sure that they have expectations for themselves mm-hmm. that they're able to work on. So whatever goal you have, I'll support you. But what's the next step you have to take to get to that 
that higher, that bigger goal that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did enjoy having the students come back at the high school level. That's the ones you were working with at the middle school? No, um, different different school. Oh, okay. But when they graduate, like they get to come back and they're like, oh, Miss Gautier, thank you so oh, much. Okay. Next thing you know, they have their associate's degree, they have their bachelor's, and you're like, they're like grown-ups now. They're, mo- they're moving along. Yeah, they're grown-ups. So it's, it was one rewarding part of being at the high school level. Yeah. Okay. So that so far we got elementary, high school, I would say, and graduation as well. Mm-hmm. So graduation was pretty cool, especially the students who didn't think that they would make it, and then they yeah. do. Um, now I'm at the elementary school and all the way back to the beginning. Yes. And (laughs) you know, some people were like, I don't know if you're going to like it. It's so different from the high school, but I am definitely embracing it. I love it. I get to be creative. Um, and my personality comes up, comes out more. With the little ones. Yes. I'm so playful. Um, (laughs) I mean, I knew I was super goofy, but I didn't realize how playful I was until I got to the elementary school level. So- Wait, let, let, let me ask you a random question because mm-hmm. I was I was watching this show recently. I discovered is uh, do you know you heard of the show Abbott Elementary? Yes, yes, yes. Is your is your school at all like that? No, not quite. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a funny. I've seen I've seen like part of one, and it was it's a funny show. But um, yeah, so I mean, right now, what I love about the elementary school level is that besides being with the students, Mm. sometimes I'm chasing them around outside. If it gets super, like if it gets stressful, I take a minute, you know, and I go outside and I'm, you know, if they're out there for recess, I'm playing basketball with the kids. Mm. You know, hopefully, you know, hoping I don't break my heels or whatever if I'm wearing heels that day. But for the most part, I get to have fun with them. Um, I meet them where they are, like talk to them, however they present themselves. So if they're quiet, I'm quiet like them. And I won't say nothing to him. I just sit next to him. Like, I'm, we're friends. Like, we're friends. <laughs> like, we knew each other since, you know, kindergarten. There you go. <laughs> In some cases, I mean, you might have. Yes, yes. Depending on when they started. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do enjoy it. And I get to be creative with my videos. Like, I make, like, different character traits and stuff like that for them. We talk about kindness, cooperation, responsibility. So, at the elementary school level, you're basically building the foundation. Mm-hmm for the students, you know, their character and who they want to be. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting too, because I mean, you, you essentially have seen obviously the full circle at this point or the full spectrum, I should say, mm-hmm. of K through 12. Yes, you that's just, true. You, you just, you started in the middle, then you went high, then you went elementary. Yes. But I think it's, I think it's important even to your point about like the way that the expectations are of what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like obviously back in the day, um, I think it was more guidance counseling we would talk about sometimes it'd be a little bit of career when you're like in high school mm-hmm. like like giving you those aptitude tests and all that stuff yeah. middle school honestly i don't really remember what they do maybe they're talking a little bit about what you want to study in mm-hmm. college maybe a little bit of career a little bit of career, career okay. yeah um, um and then elementary like it seems like it would be more of the playful just like you're talking about teaching you like basic rules, values to kind of mm-hmm. like carry yourself, treat people with respect, all that good stuff. Yeah, I would say both elementary and middle, they're emotional. Okay. Um, you know, they have a lot of feelings. Of course. Elementary, their, you know, mucus is coming out. And at first I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Here's a tissue. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a lot of crying, you know, so-and-so doesn't want to be friends with me. Um, things that are happening at home. That's important too. Even if you think about that, like, 
I think we have trouble with that nowadays. You're talking about friendship building. Mm -hmm. Like some of us like don't even know how to do that. This is true. Like or or to face rejection of somebody that don't want to be your friend no more. Mm -hmm. And like why is that? And then you know like, how do you communicate through that? How do you manage that on your own? Yeah. And then you talked about the parenting side. That's you know that's therapy one on one. We know. Mm -hmm. I I haven't even been a teacher, but we know everything that's going on in the home is absolutely going to be reflected in the school, right? Because right. you can't you can't separate those. Whatever the kids going through at school is totally going to manifest when they're sitting in a classroom right. and like maybe they're quiet or maybe they're a little shy or they're more reserved mm -hmm. and there probably are reasons why. Right. So creating that space, you know, for them to be able to talk about it is why you would need school counselors to yeah. help facilitate that, right? Yes. And sometimes to your point, we, if I find something out, you know, it's need to know information um, yeah. when it comes to being a counselor, mm -hmm. but I would need to like tell the teachers if it is impacting their class or it's, in, you know, impacting the student to the point that they're not, their normal selves yeah you know i don't want the student to get into trouble behaviorally or the teacher is like what's going on why are you you know screaming at the student if the student just for example lost their pet or even more severe lost a family member mm -hmm. so if there's a shift in their um behavior in the classroom or I'm aware of something that is impacting them, I yeah. will tell the teacher or whoever works directly with that particular student. No, which totally makes sense. And I mean, I even have like, um, I have a, a male teacher client mm -hmm. um, and him and I talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I tried to give him perspective, both cause like I'm a parent, so I try to think about, that's why I said the whole point about whatever's going on at home is gonna show up at the school. But also understanding the boundaries, right? Like there's, you know better than me there's only so much that you can impact on a young person particularly because they're going home to whatever environment they're going home to yeah so i can provide as much structure and functional environment as i can here mm -hmm. but i don't change what happens over there yeah. and if there's too much chaos over there you better believe to a certain degree it's going to impact that young person right and that's that's like one of our biggest thing is to advocate you know for these students um, making sure that their voice is heard, even mm -hmm. if they're not saying anything or they can't say anything. Yeah. I have to be that voice. Absolutely. And what I think is interesting because of you being in the school system and you, like you just said advocate, right? Think about this one for a second. So for those of us that aren't in, if you're not in a school environment where you have an immediate access to a, a counselor of any kind, right? And then you layer with what we were talking about earlier with your family dynamic, maybe not being the most inclusive or the most open. Mm-hmm. How do you think that's gonna shape a young person's mind as they get older? Do you think they're gonna be willing to engage with people more? Or do you think they're gonna be more reserved and, and kind of keep to themselves? What would you say? I would say keep to themselves, yeah. Until they, they get to that point in their lives where they are forced to come out, mm -hmm. you know? And it could be like, it could be as simple as, you know, a or an organization, if they go to college right. on, you know, on campus that brings them out. Mm -hmm. um, they're pretty much, for the most part, going to be reserved. Maybe a job too, if they, sure. if they have friends. Um, That's probably, I feel like that would be the natural place, that would be the natural place where you would think it would help them. Mm -hmm. But I just mentioned that because I know for those of us that have jobs where they require you to invest, I would say a significant amount emotionally. And I think mm -hmm. teachers have to certainly do that too. I try, like I, when I reference my client, I try to challenge him and say, listen, you can do so much in your space and your time that you have. Mm -hmm. But you also got to understand that there's only so much impact that you can have. And I really want to help you tailor those expectations. 
right? Yeah. Because one thing I try to talk about on this platform and anytime I'm truly engaging with anybody, right, is we only control us mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? right? I can't control nobody else and what they got going on. What I talk about a lot is influence, and I talk about it particularly with parenting or even teachers. I'll say, listen, when you got young people around you or people that look up to you, mm-hmm. so this could be adults too. If they, somebody idolized you, you know they're probably falling over your every word. You can have such a profound influence on them that they'll more or less do a lot of the things that you tell them to do, right? And sometimes that we get that confused with control because mm-hmm. it just it seems like they're almost like neck and neck. Like right. when I say jump, like you say how high, and then that's what it is. But then what happens with young people is as they get older, mm-hmm. then they start not listening to you as much because they're kind of in, entertaining and engaging with their friends and their peer group. And then you're like, oh, what's going on? Why are you not following the rules? Why are you not listening so much anymore? Part of that's their own natural development. But when you couple that with the fact that like we don't always communicate that well with our parents and who was around us, then you shouldn't be surprised that as they're going to naturally push boundaries and they're naturally going to grow and evolve, as a parent, you're going to slowly start to get pulled more out of the situation. You kind of get isolated. So my whole point in, in trying to share all that is to say, I, that's why I believe we need to be opening up and expressing more about what we are doing, how we feel, what we've gone through. And I put more of the onus on the parent. Because to me, we set the example. The same way as a therapist, we model appropriate behavior, mm-hmm. right? If you're sitting down here and you're like screaming and yelling and what, I'm not going to match that energy. Right. Right? I'm going to be like, hey, have a seat. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Right? You said something there about modeling the behavior. Right. So in a way, sometimes our parents don't say things, but they are showing it to us. Correct. And just like you mentioned with sitting down or, you know, their tone. Mm-hmm. So they brought their tone down. It's not always like them saying it. Right. And I think we've learned a lot without even realizing how much we have. Oh, yeah. Um, growing up with our parents and seeing how they are and how they respond and what they do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I usually chalk that up to you have implicit and explicit instruction, right? So you have things that your parents like sit you down and say, son, daughter, this is what you should do in X situation. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other things they don't really tell you. They just demonstrate it in their behavior. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of stuff we're, we're, we're kind of learning implicitly. Like mom and dad don't really tell you to do these things. They just kind of do it. And then you kind of pay attention. You're like, okay. I guess this is the way I'm supposed to behave. Yeah. What I'm saying is let's couple that by actually using our words. Let's actually explain. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I'm a very curious person. Mm-hmm. I want to know why things are the way that they are. I want to know if you tell me to do this, I want to know why I should do it that way. Mm-hmm. Were you like that growing up? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was pretty much always like that. But then I got <laughs> shut down a lot where I was up. My dad was telling me like, hey, like that's enough. <laughs> Just do it because I told you to do it. But I'm always like, I want to understand like the whys. Mm-hmm. But... And I noticed for a lot of young people, I've mentored quite a few young people over the course of my life so far. And a lot, I noticed a lot of them are like that too. They're naturally pretty inquisitive, some more so than others. Mm-hmm. But they kind of want to know stuff. And sometimes they're coming from environments where their parents don't really like allow that to breathe. You know, they're kind of shut it down. Like, because I said so. And then like, yeah, let's, let's move that's on. That's it, yeah. And I'm like, I worry on that sometimes because I feel like it kind of teaches people to not critically think about things. Mm-hmm. It's like, just be a follower. Yeah. Do it because I told you. So you're not allowed to ask, but well, why should I do it this way? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Why should I trust that that is the best way? I grant, I granted, I understand you're my parent, my guardian, my counselor, whatever. But why should I do it that particular way? So I can learn to make decisions for myself, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, I'm going to be an adult. Right. I'm going to have to do this. Yeah, for it does it. You develop it as an adult. You start <laughs> thinking about and questioning things in life. I would hope know? so. Um, I think it comes naturally to us, but I think you're right. Maybe starting off early and having that conversation yeah. would be beneficial. I think for most of us, truly, it, it would be. And just having those conversations and discussing these things openly in your house to kind of set the tone. Mm-hmm. Then it's easier when you go to school to like engage with people, to make friendships. You're not like operating out of fear or being uh, concerned about necessarily being rejected all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting that kind of freedom in your house, then I think you're going to operate a little bit more scared. You know? So anyway, I just think it's one of those things that we need to always keep in mind in how we help shape other people's perceptions. So if you're a parent out there, consider how the things that you do and what you say may impact the way your child may behave, both when they're around you and when they're not. Mm-hmm. Right. But also kind of staying on that same train of thought, we know over the last couple of years with everything that had been going on with the pandemic, it's I can imagine it's been quite difficult. I know for my son, it was very difficult to make that transition exclusively to online learning and not having the friends around and, you know, it had right. its own unique issues. Mm-hmm. Is there anything specific that you noticed that was going on during that time in the, the schools that you were in? Yeah, um, it was a difficult, you know, time. Um, when it was happening right in the middle of it I was still at the high school so Mm -hmm. I still had all of the pressure in terms of my role my school counselor role I still had the pressure of hey these students need to get through but it's like hey these students aren't turning on their zoom Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the lesson was still the expectations were still there yeah Um, but the, the circumstance wasn't you know being given to the, the student for them to be successful and actually meet, meet all these expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we got through it. We're here today. Um, right. I have noticed that today, um, how the back then the pandemic has impacted our students is that they're still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Some of them, not because you know of the fear of catching um, or becoming sick at all. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a barrier. So it's a barrier to cover their face. They don't want to be seen mm. um, because it's the, the the anxiety from being seen after being home for, for so long, yeah. you know, not having to interact with people or, or having people see their reactions. That's a hard one. Yeah. Um, people don't know how you're actually feeling because you have that mask on, you know, and in a way it brings comfort. So yeah. if you think about it like socks, you put on socks to feel like comfort sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not really because you're cold, you just <laughs> want to be comfortable. Right. So that's how the students are, some of the students are using the mask now. Okay. Um, it's also brought a lot of issues in terms of interactions, social interactions um, with their peers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're afraid of looking at each other in the eyes <laughs> for too long, right? Like uncomfortable stares? Yes. Um, at lunch, some of them may, they would rather not eat than to have to take their mask off. So that's been an issue Mm. that I've been, you know, faced with. That's Um, interesting. I wouldn't expect that one. Yeah. So they're not eating. You know, I had a student go on for a long time, just not eating at all. 
Um, once I took the student to my office, she ate some um, when it was just when it was just her. Is, um, is it about being around other people and like being around other people, but also being uncomfortable in their own skin? Because now with you wearing a mask for so long, now you have these blemishes, and I don't mean acne. I mean blemishes in their eyes that they see like you know my mouth or my nose I have a big nose or I have a small nose all these imperfections that they're thinking about yeah um I mean they've had the same nose their whole life but they had to, but, cut, they had to get used to covering it for a while yeah so now they're they're noticing it it's big you know so these are th these are things that not only our students face but um adults as well oh yeah um you know they're uncomfortable like some of them going to the store they would rather not you know like or get it delivered yes um risk you know having to not get sick but rather have someone see them so i think there's a lot of that going on right now yeah um it's impacting our schools with lunch and all of that but i would also say to families so the family dynamics have changed over during the time mm -hmm. um because of the stressors so besides students losing so there's you know their family members some oh, some yeah. people that they know and some that they don't yeah. um grief That's you know not only for the students you know they may not know great aunt or their great uncle but what we remember is what you like you shared the parents and the students know when something is off. Mm -hmm. So if they see their parents are sad or upset, even though like the parents don't necessarily tell them this is why, they notice that their parents are down, yeah. which impacts their overall morale and you know how they're coming to school. So they're 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 feeling whatever their parents are going through. Right. Um, I would say this um, the family dynamics, the household, like some of them have changed. Maybe they're not living with mom and dad anymore. Maybe mom and dad have split up. Now all of a sudden, you know, because they've spent so much time together and they realize they didn't like each other. Or, you know, it could be anything. Yeah. Like when it comes to that, you spend so much time with them. And now your, your child is having to deal with a divorce that came from, you know, this whole pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. um, going even further, their financial um, resources and things that are available to them they may not have that anymore because of the shift um, because of the family dynamics change so maybe now we have a lot more students in hotels um, with their parents or with one parent um, some of them are living with grandparents different family members that can assist during this time yeah. so there's been a lot of change that is impacting our students and their families um, because these parents are going through a lot too. They're trying to keep up their face and, hey, yeah. everything is good, showing them that things are going well, but deep deep down knowing that they're feeling the stressors, they're feeling that anxiety from everything. Absolutely. And I can definitely back up a lot of what you said because I've seen that in my clinical practice. Um, mm -hmm. Even the when you were talking about the kind of reluctance to go out, mm -hmm. man, I've had clients where they legit don't even want to leave the house, yeah. you know? And these are people who, prior to all that stuff happening, like, were the most outgoing individuals, mm -hmm. you know? But that kind of goes to show, like, that's the net impact for some folks of, 
having to be inside for so long. Yeah. Or having that social interaction be so severely limited that some of us are like having almost relearn how to interact and engage with each other. Yeah. You know? Or what like what like it's things that we really desire and that we really want, but remembering how to do it might feel quite awkward and uncomfortable. Or for some people so anxiety provoking that they would just rather not. And so I, I can definitely empathize with what you're kind of notating there because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of folks like really go through that. And then absolutely with the kids. Like I, I can imagine. I don't know, but I could just imagine separated households, separated families, and then or maybe losing some of that stability mm-hmm. that they used to have and trying right. to figure out how to navigate this new normal that they might be dealing with and maybe not even having the outlets of where to go to yeah. really talk about it. Right. And, you know, sometimes they can definitely go to our school counselors. <laughs> Good. That's, and, that's what you guys are there for, right? Yes, exactly. So it's not just, you know, the crisis of the day, but sometimes it's something that has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. So if I was to find out about that, my purpose is to, it's student services. Right. So I'm serving the student, but I can also connect the families with resources. Right. And maybe they need family counseling. Right. So yeah. it's not something I do at the school, but I can refer them to get assistance with that. Absolutely. No. And, and, and that's important, too. I think that I usually try to make that point um, for any clients that I have, especially when you start talking about like couples and families. Mm-hmm. So often have I seen that they like, wait until it's so far gone. Like you talked about crisis. Right. Mm-hmm. What I usually say is people wait until it's too late. They come to this point where like people are mentally and emotionally checked out and then they want to like they have the epiphany like I should go deal with this situation now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it's going to be really hard to resolve because one person may not truly even want to interact or be here anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's so much harder to try to find any type of meaningful compromise right. as opposed to if we did what you were talking about was if you start to sense something's off and you're willing to acknowledge that mm-hmm. maybe you can actually intervene a bit sooner so things don't have to have such a disastrous impact on the on the back end. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I try to make that point. Like, therapy's not something you wait until, you know, kind of ish hits the fan. You can deal with it sooner, but you need to be somewhat proactive. Like, if you know something's off, like, talk to somebody about it. And if that's a young person and they're at school and they can talk, connect with their school counselor, then they should do that. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully the parents build up and, and you know, make the appropriate referrals and, and kind of make sure that they're getting the help that they need. Yeah. So... Again, shout out to the school counselors. Um, So now kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with how you learn from your family, what you should expect from others, particularly when you're talking about on the dating front. So what I would ask you, what I'm curious about is in your life so far, how would you describe the way your relationships have sort of played out or what you what were like some general takeaways that you've had in your dating life so far? I would say um, expect the unexpected. Okay. <laughs> what I think it is, it's not. <laughs> okay. And it's been a, I've had some heartbreaks, you know, um, but in order to have your heart broken, you have to love somebody, right? Yes. So being able to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and getting these feelings there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, I would say my biggest takeaway is make sure that we're both on the same page. Facts. Um, yeah, with what we want, what mm-hmm. we're where we're headed. Um, sometimes that other person is not willing to share with you what they what they want, mm-hmm. which makes it difficult and yeah. leaves leaves you like in a limbo. Like, okay, do they want to be with me? Do they want 
to have a family I don't know so you know and if that's the case you know then eventually you just got to go your separate ways because that person yeah. is not communicating with you what they want mm-hmm. so you know you don't want to be there just trying to figure out what am I actually doing right now right um, it's not a good feeling no um, no security in that yeah so I would say um, what I my takeaways from that is to also just put yourself out there again um, be willing to once you do learn something about yourself be willing to see and hear what the person has to say about you oh yeah yeah um, very important and be willing to work on what you feel needs to change um, someone may not like a particular character trait about you or mm-hmm. who you are or what you well, not really who you are but what you're doing right. and if you feel like hey that's deep down who I am and you don't want to change it then that person is not for you um, but also be willing to adjust if they're pointing something out to you you're you know if you were blind to a certain corner and mm-hmm. they're saying hey look I just flashed this light over here did you see this you know it's the way that they, they share it with you they should share it with love yeah. and if they're they're doing that and they're exposing something to you that you don't know you have to figure out what you want to do are you willing to grow are you willing to make that change mm-hmm. um, for yourself and for the relationship yeah or do you want to say I'm not changing anything <laughs> right and if yeah yeah if you're not willing to to give and take then maybe you're not ready for a relationship. That's big facts right there. You you, you, you want to say that again to make sure everybody caught that? <laughs> if you're not willing to see where you are and what you have to adjust and make any adjustments at all, give and take, maybe you're not ready for a relationship. I would say straight up, you're not ready. Because if you're not willing to give and take, that means you're not willing to compromise, mm-hmm. which means you don't want to listen. And relationships don't function if you can't compromise. Because... We all know, and if you don't know, uh, the world doesn't operate based on my viewpoint, your viewpoint, her viewpoint. We all have our own internal biases, right? I see things the way that I see them based on how I grew up, based on my family dynamic, based on my relationship, all that stuff we talked about already. So if I'm coming into it, I'm saying, but no, but Katya's got to adapt to me. I don't have to change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that part. Right. That's sort of fostering a dependency that I don't want necessarily that to happen because that's quite unhealthy. Yeah. Right? So I need to be able to listen to what you said and understand where you're coming from. I need to be able to express my side mm-hmm. of what I need and what I want. And we need to find that mid- middle point. Right? But to your point, if there's no communication happening, that's not possible. Because none of us can read each other's minds. And it's not fair either. No, it's, it's incredibly unfair. And it doesn't have to be that way, mm-hmm. to, to your point. Yeah. So I think it's uh, it's one of those very interesting situations I see a lot of. And I ask that question because when it comes to dating, especially when I get like the occasional couple client, couples client, um, I notice that so much. Like there's been such a breakdown of communication where like, one person is like very much invested in trying to figure out what is going on and try mm-hmm. to how to resolve whatever's happening. Yes. And the other person is completely checked out. And it's 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 kind of baffling to me. Cause I see it and I'm like, how did how did you not maybe notice that some of these things were going on? Now maybe not all of it, right? Mm-hmm. But some of these things were going on 
and you never wanted to speak about it. You never wanted to like suggest any type of help to try mm-hmm. to figure out why we're having this type of hot cold relationship, this push and pull. You know, you want me here, you don't want me here. You never wanted to try to initiate contact to figure out what's going on there. And that's the part that really started frustrating me. Yeah. Like that was a huge reason why I wanted to talk about these things that we're talking about because it was driving me crazy to see that these things could, in a lot of cases to me, be very much avoided. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, we're not actually engaging and talking about any of it. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to use this platform to actually have these open discussions about it, just that. So in this example, you know, you can give us a bit about what is it like being on the woman's side and me being able to provide maybe some perspective on the man's side. So to that point, let me ask you an important question that I think a lot of us are thinking about right now. We don't really know how to deal with it, right? So if we're on the street, right, and I find you attractive and I find that you are interesting to me, right, how would you expect somebody like me to actually try to approach you in a meaningful way? Meaningful. Yes, meaningful. That's good. Notice the words I'm using. Yes. (laughs) That's intentionality for those that didn't catch that. Yeah. I would say um, for me, believe it or not, I mean, I'm speaking to you now, like Mm -hmm. one-on-one, I'm fine. And when I'm comfortable in my environment, I'm fine. But I'm like the biggest scaredy cat. (laughs) (laughs) Like when it comes to people, you know, that like me or, you know, they have interest in me. Yeah. I'm terrible at that like i've actually liked guys back and i'm attracted to them Mm. but i don't know how to respond like back back then i now i think i'm a little better but it's just hard for me so they would approach me you know hey let's go out blank face i've even like gotten up and walked away before wait like not say anything not say anything at all (laughs) like you know and i feel bad about it i i I still think about it you know i felt really bad about it um and it's not that i wasn't attracted to the person like i would be attracted to them Mm -hmm. or you know i would want to go out with them but sometimes i get like nervous it's the weirdest thing interesting you know that's that's very interesting to hear you say that not because of you but for a lot of us you know we're so used to doing all the initiating right Mm -hmm. so like we have to learn well, most guys, for those that don't know, we usually have to learn, for those of us that like women, to face rejection uh, frequently, mm-hmm. right? Because very often you're going to pursue somebody that may not want to pursue you back or want to be pursued by you. And you have to learn to be okay with that rejection. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to hear that you're saying like, oh, but even when I like somebody, even I still kind of pull away. Yes. I'm still kind of nervous, even when it's somebody I would give the I, time of day I to. I would want to go out with them. I would want to like... You know, I'm crushing on them and I'm, I still just walk away. I don't know where that started from. That might be a different, you know, session, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a real thing. So to answer your question though, I would say like, you know, come up to me like soft-spoken, mm-hmm. um, maybe just having a conversation and saying, Hey, I, I really find you attractive or I really want to take you out. I want to see where this goes or mm-hmm. tell me about yourself. Okay. Um, something simple like that, you know, watching the tone. I don't want anything too loud. If you're too loud, <laughs> I'm just going to be like, all right, keep keep going. This is too much. Too loud is too much for me yeah. um, in the beginning. Like, I okay. need to get comfortable. Sure. Um, so I would say just soft-spoken and step up to me and talk to me. That, does that work like on the street? Or like, or, or. Depends on the street. Okay. 
I was like, or a follow up question. Does it matter? Like, where would you, where where would this person find you? We talking like the grocery store? You know, that's the club. A, that's a perfect question right now because right now I'm an adult, right? Online dating. It was, yeah. I've done online dating, but the clubs no because I wouldn't take that person seriously. Fair enough. Um, at this point of my life, it's like Fair you enough. go to the club just to go. You know, I mean, if you still go to the club, you would sure. go just to have a good time. Um, or maybe somebody's black bachelorette, but yeah. okay. <laughs> at this point of my life. Um, so that's a great question. I would say like the grocery store or the um, gym, the gym gas station. Oh, that's happened before, <laughs> but it didn't work out. So you I look don't know. really great pumping that gas. Let me tell you that 87 on lettuce. Just actually, sweetheart. that is funny. Can I get this, your number? It has happened. I'll pump it for gas you next station. Time. No, but you know, maybe like the grocery store at this point. As adults, it gets more difficult. You know, you spoke about of course. you spoke about friendships, right? Yeah. So right now we're limited to what, our where we work, maybe the oh, gym yeah. and grocery store, right? Compared to if you were in an institution, like or a school, school or university, yes, yeah. then you would have more opportunities. Absolutely. So I thought it was kind of interesting that you said that about friendship. It also applies to your oh, romantic life. Oh, it does. Oh, I was gonna make that PSA if you guys didn't know. Yeah. Uh, once you get out of university and college, man, your dating pool is yeah. drastically small. Even your friendship pool. It's it's just small because you have mm -hmm. the same way when we're in K through 12, right? Mm -hmm. We all have to have this communal place that we're in. But at the same time, you have this opportunity to interact with, to engage with folks. Mm -hmm. well, what happens when you just work? Right. You now just it's just, hey, I'm just in this little space. And I work for myself, so like... <laughs> It's just this me talking true. to me. <laughs> this is this is true. And you know, like you said, some people work independently, they're contractors. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily, you know, I'm at an elementary school. There aren't that many males there. I can imagine. <laughs> Probably not <laughs> so a lot of male even teachers. More limited, you know? Yeah. So it's it's not that many places I can go at this current moment to just the, the, be like you can go to the local PTA fundraiser maybe? No, if I want to be a parent right away. True, true. No, but I think it's I think it's important because these are the these are the nuanced discussions that I feel like we're not really having though. Yeah. Like again, how do you even allow somebody to approach you? So I want to I want to go back and capture that just to mm -hmm. solidify that for the guys that might be listening. So she said, even the guys that she was interested in, she would still be kind of running away from. Not so much now, but but back in the day. Yeah, it's right? happened numerous times. So not to say that that means that if a woman pulls away from you, she's definitely interested. But it is just food for thought. Dude. Yeah, I would say to the to the guys out there, like give it your shot. Like, still approach <laughs> these um, these girls, these women, maybe more than once. True. <laughs> I would say at least twice because <laughs> I can count the amount of times that someone's approached me and I was like, I wish I would have like, and I'm, I really wanted to, like, I'm not making this up. I really wanted to, but I got like nervous or something and I just walked away. <sighs> yeah. Know, there's moments like this. I kind of wish I know this can't happen. You know, that movie Freaky Friday. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where you like going to them. I wish like men and women could switch bodies. <laughs> And they can be like, what's it like to be pursued? Oh my goodness. And then you guys can be like, oh, this is the kind of work that they mm -hmm. have to do to come get us. Yeah. Because it's a very, it's such a very much unique experience, I feel. And it's not, I think one is better than the other. It's mm -hmm. just more trying to understand what is it like to be on the other side. Yeah. Right? Because even what you said, in my mind, I would be thinking, okay, like what you said makes sense. I know I'm going to have to put in the effort. I know I'm going to have to face the possibility of rejection, right? Mm -hmm. But the unique part, the reason why I tried to emphasize that is because 
even when the person is interested in you, there's still gonna be a, another level of pursuit that kind of has to happen, right? Right. So you might be thinking, oh, well, I made, I, I kind of shot my shot, so is she gonna like, give me a chance now? And, you, and based on your experience in the past, you would be like, no, not necessarily. You may have to try again. Yeah. So I may I have to catch you at the same grocery store mm -hmm. this like the second week in a row. Yeah, like, I oh, would I, definitely say I twice. caught her getting produce. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go make sure I talk to her again. I'm gonna I'm gonna show up another time. Yeah, and see don't if get all stalkerish or anything. You know, don't go don't go like you know to the Wait, person's car. But I would go to like you know at least try twice. Okay, hold on. Let's let's clarify something because mm -hmm. that's a good point that you mentioned. What would you define? Let's use that scenario with the grocery store. What would make that stalkerish versus I'm just adamantly trying to pursue you? Where, would, where's the distinguishing point? I would there? say if she shuts you down the second time and you keep going and you're meeting her at the exact same place at the exact same time, knowing that she goes there, that would be considered more stalkerish. Okay, so two times. So I meet you at Publix. At the same time, same Publix, knowing right. I'm there, right. and I've already shut you down twice. I caught you in the in the, in the cereal section. <laughs> I'm like, hey, do you want to get cereal? And then, do you want to go out sometime? Second time I get shut down, I should just pretty much walk away and say, hey, it's done. Yeah, you should try a different location. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going shopping. So guys, we want to find a good woman you want to date, go shopping, right? Yeah. Just go to the grocery store. So try two times. You get shot down two times, it's done. Go try to approach somebody else. Yeah, I would say it's it's up to I mean, if she's giving you a little bit, maybe she's playing. No, I wouldn't say so at this point. Hey, you want to be together? No, figure it out. I would say by the second time, honestly, Okay. I would know. Okay. Um, but the second expectation, I know I mentioned coming coming up to me like, you know, soft spoken and mm -hmm. letting me know how he feels. But I would also say laughter. I like so that. That's if, good. if you're able to get me out and silly right away. Mm -hmm. You're like, good. that's a pro? That's that's a, that's a positive. Okay. That's so, a go. So have some, have some <laughs> element of humor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about you? Like, what are some of your... Well, I think, to me, the reason why I ask is because I think for a lot of the guys that I've talked to, both professionally and personally, it's a different wave now of how you're supposed to approach ladies. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, because like, I... I, I kind of grew up the old school way where like that's kind of all you had to do, right? Now we have computers and phones where you have apps, right? Mm -hmm. Well, back in the day, to age myself, um, you had to like go to the mall. Mm -hmm. You had to go to the store. You had to actually go up to that woman. You had to say like, hi, my name is so-and-so and I just thought you looked nice today. Mm -hmm. Wondering if you have any plans later. Would you like to get together? I didn't have a cell phone. Can I get your landline? That's sweet. Right? Very innocent. But yeah. you knew that even then you could still get shut down. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you know, so I swipe on you. Maybe we connect. Maybe you talk a little bit, but then also maybe you don't. And it's like, I, it's kind of hard to feel out a level of interest. Yeah. You know? And then for the guys, I, I try to remember what a lot of them are going through because they don't have exactly my lived experience. They're in this space where it feels like, Anything, that, like I said earlier, anything that they do can be misconstrued as, that's why I paused you earlier when I asked you what did you mean by kind of stalkerish. Mm -hmm. Because kind of like old school method would have been like, oh, you need to pursue. Mm -hmm. Like you don't give up after the first try. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you know, you shouldn't be like, you know, going to somebody's house or, or yeah. after maybe after a couple of attempts, like that's probably Meeting enough. Meeting them at their car. Yeah, that's probably enough. Um, but trying to figure out what that line is. And it's uniquely kind of, a male experience because we're often the ones that do the pursuing mm -hmm. right 
women get are usually the ones that get to tell us no. Yeah. So we have to try to figure out like, is a line there? Is I it there? Is it there? I see what we, you're saying. We don't know. So part of hopefully hopefully discussing this with you is for you to illustrate that a little bit more for the young men out there so they can maybe understand like how can I cold approach a woman mm -hmm. and maybe have a better opportunity for it to be successful where we actually go out sometime. Yeah. Does that make sense? I can definitely see where, you know, the line is blurred. Um, and it's like, hey, that's what you expect from the men, the males, mm -hmm. right? So you, we should be pursuing, but then I don't want to, you know, cross that line. So, yeah. I mean, I would definitely still stick to it, like, at least twice, Okay. you know? And so that, that's, that's our role now. <laughs> yeah, I would for sure, like, at least twice. Um, one thing you mentioned, now with the online oh yeah yes so of course there's online dating yeah. but the one thing that i just can't you know i can't do mm -hmm. is hey how you doing blah, blah blah i'm so and so what's your instagram <laughs> just throw the whole phone away just throw it. I'm, I'm not even here like right away not even like anything about you no build up no no build up no nothing like hey what's your instagram like what's your what's your social media and mm. i'm just like come on don't you want to know what you know about my you? name is like do i even live here mm. <laughs> it's just straight what's your instagram that's interesting okay wait is there a certain age demographic you're noticing that that happens where people are just straight up asking you that question i don't know if it's more age but i would say within the past um past two years mm. or so um dating back i've noticed that and i can't <laughs> that's interesting i mean excuse me i will say I've noticed that compared to back in the day where I used to think it was about getting a phone number, it mm -hmm. seems like more the social media is like the new space for that phone number. Right. Like, what's your handle on X so that way I can hit you up or I can DM you? Mm -hmm. Whereas back in the day, it was just like, so I can text you. Yeah, it feels like, like it's not meet together. Like, you don't really want to get to know the person. You just want to follow her or, you know, see what the person, you know, looks like on social media compared mm -hmm. to I'm right here in front of you. At least the first time, get to know me a little bit. I'm right yeah. here. No, and you know what's interesting? I would actually offer the counter to that. For those that just want to like follow somebody and just want to like watch somebody, I actually think that's a little bit creepier than actually going up to them and talking to them. But I do understand that it offers a little bit more security because you don't actually have to deal with the rejection. See, what's hard for a lot of us is to actually go up to you, talk to you, and say, hey, so-and-so, I really want to go out with you. You look really nice today, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then she says no. And then, of course, my ego gets hit, and I have to figure out, like, how to manage that, right? Yeah. Versus if I can, you know, if I can just message you on my phone, and then, you know, maybe you say yes, maybe you say no, or I can follow you, and I feel like I'm we have some kind of pseudo-connection together, mm -hmm. that's, like, there's a lower barrier to entry. So I think it's just natural. People are naturally going to go to the easier route. But it's also less genuine. Yeah. To your point. They're, they got like five people on one day. I'm yeah. not going to take it serious. <laughs> right. This is like, nah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if there's, if you really want something real. Right. Which gets me to my next point. Because I think this is a big part of like what we don't discuss. So we're talking about expectations, right? So we're talking about partners and let's say you go on that first date with that person. How and what would you describe as what you would expect of that person if you if they wanted you to take them seriously? What would you say you would need from them? I would need to take their word. Um, okay. What they share with me about their goals, mm -hmm. um, 
what they how they see their future with their wife right and their you know children where they want to be um this these are the, the conversations i'm listening and entertaining right now mm-hmm. um but for sure what their vision is because if we are doing this together i need to know where your head is and correct what you see for us as a unit right um so i would say of course tell me what your dream what you what your dreams are for our future for our future generations mm-hmm. and what your vision is like the daily life the daily task so how do you see yourself um do you want a woman that stays home do you want a woman that goes to work mm-hmm. um do you want to share ones. yeah do you want to share chores you know things like that are you okay with living somewhere else that's a big one mm-hmm. because you can have everything in common but one may be more adventurous than the other. Sure. And let's say they got a raise, somebody got a raise and a, a really big promotion and it's in Philadelphia. Are yeah. you willing to go? Um, and that's something that may come, you know, that they may experience and come across later on. Right. So I wanna have those conversations, um, expectations about how we're raising the kids, mm-hmm. expectations about our faith. Um, Are you going to a Baptist church, Christian, whatever it may be? Mm -hmm. Um, These are the conversations and the expectations that I want to discuss with my potential, you know, spouse. Mm -hmm. And how early on do you think that you have or would have those conversations with that person? I would sprinkle it in. (laughs) Okay. I would sprinkle it in. um, Maybe not in the def but like the first date you know a little bit get a little bit there but i would say by the second date you know if i'm starting to feel the person you know i like spending time with them i feel comfortable with them Mm -hmm. okay so let's have this conversation i'm not afraid to bring it up now okay that's good i mean i ask because in my experience what i see for a lot of us is like we don't what i call we just don't intentionally date Mm -hmm. meaning there's a, what I would just call deal breakers, those things that we know that we're unwilling to compromise on. Mm-hmm. And then the other list of traits that we are, but maybe we don't fully flesh out what those things are for us. Right. So if you don't really know those things, then how can you possibly explain them to a potential partner? Yes, it's true. Right. So then they can't know because you don't know. Mm-hmm. So then it kind of means that you're not, then you're not moving with intention. You're just sort of casually falling into stuff and hoping that something's going to work out. Right. And my point is, the reason why I ask you that question is I think that's the kind of questions that we should be asking very early on in the, in the dating process. Yeah. Whether it's the first one, the second one, the third one, whatever. Because at that point, if you know what those things are and you say, you know what, you're clearly going this way and I'm going this way, it's going to be way less hurtful. Mm-hmm. It will be way less hurtful to break up then. Right. To go in your different directions at that point. Not let's invest you know, X amount of weeks, months, and years mm-hmm having not really ever fleshed out what those things are and then being surprised that all of a sudden you guys don't really want to make it work anymore. Right. That, that didn't have to happen, but it's kind of like you keep kicking the can down the road hoping that eventually it'll just kind of work itself out. And I'm just like, it, it doesn't work that way, man. Yeah. You actually got to talk about those things. It's a fear, though. Like, it's a fear of not rejection, but a fear of it's not going to work out with this person. And then I have to, what, start over or... I have to put myself out there again. I would rather just keep it going. It's safer. I listen. I get that. I mean, <laughs> going having to go back out there over and over again. Yeah, it can be rough. 
But at the same time, if you know there's things that you you're maybe compromising in that you know that you can't, mm-hmm. or the things that when you freely you finally give yourself the space to really consider what you need from a partner, and you know that when you finally talk about it, they don't hit a lot of those checks, right? We just we got to be able to be real here, because right. to me, I don't know about you, my general rule of thumb is whether it's life or whether it's with therapy, I try to think about outcomes and outcomes that are sustainable. Mm-hmm. Things that you can do for the long term. Anybody can do something for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Like communicate better, be more intentional, be a good listener, right? It's hard to do that for a lifetime if that's not truly the path that you really want to take. Yeah. So I don't support that. I don't encourage that. That doesn't make sense. Because again, eventually you're going to get to the point where it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And now maybe you've, maybe you've invested five, ten years. Now you have a couple of kids. Now you have a property. Now you've got to divide and sp- separate and split all that up. And that's going to inherently be more difficult yeah. than if we just did it more in the earlier weeks, maybe a few months in that process and gave ourselves a space to move forward and find somebody who more closely aligned with what we wanted. Mm-hmm. I would say that would save a lot of um, heartache, trouble, money, all of the above. Yeah. If the conversation was held. I agree. That's why I, I, I want it to be more... Mm-hmm. Uh, much more of like the beginning steps of that process. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're being serious, if you just want to mess around, like I get it, when you're young, whatever, live your life. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about when you really want to be serious. Yeah. The, to me, this is the way you should move. This is the way you should behave. Not only if you want to, in, in my case, if you want a woman to take you seriously, but I think also for the woman, thinking about that in terms of how you portray yourself. So you want the man to take you seriously. Like it, it definitely goes both ways. Yeah. Right? Um, but in speaking about that, I'm also curious really quick when it comes to, like, let's say when you're already in the relationship, have you ever noticed any specific challenges or issues when it comes to trying to talk about any type of issue with a male partner? For sure. I mean, <laughs> that would that would mean that, you know, we're male, female, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to have some conflict um, and difficulties discussing things. Sure. My biggest you know, I would say challenge would be them sharing these things with us, with me, what we just discussed, mm-hmm. right? What our goals are, what our intentions are, when we want it, mm-hmm. and then switching it up, which okay. means not wanting that anymore. Or what we've discussed is it's no longer, it no longer applies. We don't want the same thing anymore. Okay. So that would be my, a challenge that I've had, a, okay. a, a recent challenge I've had. Do you think, okay, because I'm thinking about the timing when you bring that up. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think happened overnight or is that something you think progressively happened and we just kind of didn't talk about it? And then eventually it kind of seems like this radical shift. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe it did happen over time, but it feels like it was overnight. Okay. Because... You know, when you talk about the details, you open up to your significant other and you yeah. tell them exactly these things, you know, what you want, how you see it. And, you know, sometimes it happens where they no longer want that or they don't see that for themselves anymore. Yeah. Um, so I would say that would be one of the challenges I've had. Um, but for the most part, I feel like they've like as an adult, I feel like the majority of people have been honest with what they want. Okay. Um, once I communicate these expectations and communicate what I would like to happen with our family. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And yeah, I just I think it's a point of, of clarity that we should have because to your point, I feel like I've been in I've been also in a similar situation. And that's why I talk so much about why I think the communication ends up breaking down or ends up getting severely lacking. Mm-hmm. Because I think from what I've gathered, obviously I'm not a woman, but from what I've gathered, these things don't typically happen overnight. They're happening over a period of time, but we're kind of either ignorance is bliss or mm-hmm. we, we know there might be an issue, but we're just really trying to avoid it. Because mm-hmm. it's really awkward, it's uncomfortable, and nobody wants to hear the we need to talk mm-hmm. topic. But I think that it's still very important that we need to prioritize that. We need to focus on that. If we don't want those, again, the longer term effects of, I've been with this person for this amount of time. Now I have to separate this stuff. Now it's really hurtful. And it's going to be even harder for me to want to get back out there. Mm -hmm. Because I've invested so much significant time into you and into this. As opposed to, again, if I see stuff's going wrong, I need to try to address it sooner rather than later. Not pushing it, not waiting, not turning a blind eye, not pretending it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Actually sit down and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Whether you can do that on your own, whether you need a therapist of any background to help you to facilitate that, right. just actually put in the effort and make sure that you're making it happen. Yeah, and I think that would be great to have a therapist come in because sometimes we get tired of hearing you know, your your person talk to you or it seems like they're talking at you and you're oh, yeah. not listening anymore. Correct. So it may be good to hear it from someone else that's coming in and they see how you all are interacting and they see the dynamics of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So having that therapist there would be something that I also recommend. That's good. great. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I've been in that room. So like I, I can appreciate that. And sometimes, yeah, you hear people, they talk right past each other. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, sometimes they're saying the same thing. They're just, you know, like you said, they're not listening. But I just think it's one of those areas that I'm trying to emphasize that more for us as we as men and women try to find more meaningful ways to like connect truly, like mm-hmm. for the long term. Mm-hmm. That's the area I see us like get hurt in the most. And it's just like after so many times of kind of seeing the disastrous side effects of what happens when you just don't do it, I'm just trying to not help promote that type of narrative. Because I think it's, it's not helping us, it's not keeping families together, it's not helping us form meaningful relationships with each other, it's, it's really just wasting a lot of time. Yeah. And it doesn't need to go that way. So I'm hoping that you have taken away a lot from this discussion, like I'm still actively processing a lot of like what you said. Mm-hmm. I hope that the audience and everybody who's listening can you know, fully appreciate everything you're laying down here because I think it's very valuable information. But I want to close by asking you in thinking about like your future, whether it be personally or professionally, like how do you see that playing out for you or what would you like to happen in the near future? Okay, and first I want to thank you for having me. This was a really great conversation. Of course. Um, we, we spoke about some deep things that sometimes we don't really share with one another out, no. outside of you know this space here right so this was um, definitely beneficial t- for me as a school counselor as a woman right to hear your perspective as well and we sharing sure. right um, so I, I love this I would say for myself um, I would love to first and foremost I focused a lot on my career, you know, making out, making it out there. Great. <laughs> right, right. But my main focus right now is starting a family, um, having a husband, my kids, mm-hmm. um, our kids, houses, and just building on that, building sure. on our future. Um, when it comes to my professional life, I love having a lot, like some fun. 
So I typically have my career job, my main career job, but I have a lot of like side things that I do, sure, sure. side hustles. Um, so I want to continue doing that. Um, I've been in a school counselor for 10 years. So I would say now I'm kind of thinking about more of um, having mental health as therapy, mm-hmm. doing running a couple groups. Okay. Um, depending on what the loans look like <laughs> because i want to pay off my student loans sure sure um you know loans. yeah yeah and you know. even with you know bright features but it's still it's still there so yeah. i would say just continue with one main career and be open to whatever comes next sure um it may be completely something different from what i'm doing now and i'm okay with that okay. um as i continue to evolve I'm all right with changing. That's good. That's I mean, that's and it's good. I think when you have that level of stability, where maybe you're a little more comfortable with taking risks, because mm-hmm. you feel a little more sturdy. I do want to hit on one more point that you said, because I think that this is important. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's like this kind of debate. I, I'm kind of noticing online. I don't know if you've noticed it, but the career versus family aspect. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you were going to talk to yourself, like when you were first starting college, how would you guide yourself or what advice would you give to yourself regarding what's the most important thing to me right now? Is it to get through this program, get through my education, and then focus on you know growing myself in my particular career path? Mm-hmm. Is it trying to pursue a family if that's something that I want? Help us understand. What would you tell yourself if that was the case? Yeah, I touched on that earlier mm-hmm. in our conversation. I would say if I was speaking to my younger self, which was just, you know, a couple years ago, yeah. <laughs> um, I would definitely tell myself, hey, of course, yeah, go for your career, but keep an eye out for a potential spouse. That would be the biggest thing. That would be the main thing I would tell myself. Okay. Because I was not like thinking about that at all. Like I was involved in different things, different organizations, but that's the one message I would tell myself. So yes, pursue your career. You are going to love it. You're, you're going to do great, Mm -hmm. but also just be willing to, to try something. Just be willing to see who's out there and not run away from them. I agree. No, (laughs) listen, I agree. I, I will say, obviously I'm not a woman, but if I had a daughter, and I, and I want to preface, just so hopefully nothing gets taken out of context, that I'm all for female empowerment. I want women to be able to chase and pursue whatever goals and ambitions that they have, mm-hmm. you know? But what I do think is interesting is I, because I, I, I pay a lot of attention to things I see that are online. Like what are, what are young men and men talking about in their social circles? What are women maybe talking to themselves about? And I hear sort of a disparity mm-hmm. between and sort of like these extremes that I've noticed that happen in mental health, like people don't really do well with the gray. It's usually all or nothing, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like this either, uh, maybe maybe the disparity is women gotta stay in the kitchen and stay in the household or go be a CEO. And it's like, there's no wiggle room. There's mm-hmm. no like, what if I want this for a little while and then I wanna pivot, you know, and I wanna do something else? It seems like there's not a lot of breathing room for that. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's kind of concerning because if I had a daughter, you know, in just full transparency, if she wanted to pursue some education, I would certainly be for it. Mm-hmm. But me as her father, I would be thinking, listen, 
especially when you're younger, I want you to find somebody who you can meaningfully connect with that you may want to be married to and raise a family with. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, compared to a man, your options are, it can get very much limited. Like we were talking about earlier, when you're not in university anymore, you don't have the same dating pool. So where are you going to meet these people? And one of the little things I would kind of point out is that I think one difference between men and women is that for us, like we don't necessarily care as much about how much person, how much of the woman's maybe accolades are or her income and things like that. We're more like the person, their characteristics, their traits, their values, their morals, like Mm -hmm. the stuff that's more intrinsic to them. Not so much like how many degrees do you have and how much money do you earn? And you made a really good point earlier. You were talking about the man with his vision and his future, Mm -hmm. right? I've learned that in my life, like women like men with a vision because you're kind of having to hitch your wagon to his. So you want to feel confident that he's confident that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, we're going in the right direction or at least a good direction. Correct. (laughs) So it's important for us to kind of know those things so that we can kind of sell you on that. And Mm -hmm. hopefully we're already taking steps on that path, right? Yeah. The reason why I'm ask, I asked you that point is because I think that there's some information that's not being fully explained to maybe some of the young ladies out there in terms of, yes, I think it is important to go pursue your passions. It is important. If, you, if career is truly the most important thing to you, right. then go for, go it. for it. But this is my counter. This is the only counter I give. If you know one day that you want a husband and you want kids, don't put it off for so long as if it's always going to be there and also understand all of our pools essentially get smaller the older that we get right so it behooves all of us if those are things that are important to us don't make it seem like it's not a priority make it a priority i would agree so i just wanted to drive that point home because you made some good uh feedback and comments about that and I'm trying to emphasize that more now because I hear this disparity and it really troubles me. Like it truly troubles me now because I worry about this next generation if that's the way that they look at it. Mm-hmm. And they kind of get older and think it's just gonna work itself out somehow. Yeah. And I live in the world where I see what happens and it doesn't always work. And I don't want that for us if that's truly what we desire. Again, the, the family building. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Thank you again for your unique experience. Yes. I, I think it's it's much needed. And again, I think you were able to give a very unique perspective and insight that a lot of us can learn from myself uh, in particular. So I thank you for that. And everything that you are working towards in your future, you know, we want to support all of that that you're working towards and wish you the best with all those things. And I hope that if anybody, anybody out there got value from listening to this and being able to watch this, please consider liking and subscribing. It helps tremendously to help produce more of this content. Feel free to go in the comment section, ask questions. Like I wanna hear more about what me and my guests are discussing and topics that you think are important. And I just wanna say again, I appreciate you for making this time. I'm hoping that this will become a new norm for a lot of us to really see more men and women engage in these intentional ways. Hopefully not be misconstrued or taken out of context. So. Thank you again for being here. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, we're going to sign off. So peace.